Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. By overwhelming listener demand, this week we're taking a look at the electric vehicle charging industry. This week, Motley Fool advisor Seth Jason is my guest as we dive into this evolving space. Seth, thank you for joining me. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, this is an interesting space to me, even though I don't own an EV. I, I follow a lot of um, kind of green stocks and I invest in some. And this is a pretty interesting space to me, mostly because for years there wasn't really a, a a pure play where you could invest in this. Years ago, are you familiar with Aerovironment, the drone maker? They had a division that kind of made one of the best in breed uh, fleet electric charging systems for years. Uh, they got out of the biz a while ago because it just wasn't uh, wasn't really core for their kind of drone business. Uh, and since then, um, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, directly listed opportunity, but now we're starting to see some. So it'll be fun to talk about. Right. So, so uh, as, we, as we've seen, electric vehicles been huge in the news over this past year. Tesla um, has really uh, been, been a key focus. And we've seen lots of other automakers uh, move into the electric vehicle space as well, whether it's GM or Ford or Volkswagen or, or any, any of the names that you'd be familiar with. So with this, this surge um, in electric vehicle sales in 2019, at about 300,000 electric vehicles sold a little bit down in 2020 because of the pandemic. But just to give you context, that's 2% um, of, of auto sales in the U.S., you compare that um, to total EV charging stations. Uh, uh, according to the U.S. Department of Energy, we've got 41,488 stations in the U.S. with 100,338 charging outlets. About one in five of those charging outlets today is Tesla. When we're selling 300,000 of these a year, we've got 100,000 charging outlets in place. We're going to have to build some more of these, Seth. I think so. Um, well, well, we'll have to talk about whether or not we need to or not. It's a really interesting space because it seems like it's it seems like it should be almost the same as driving a gasoline car, right? Except it really isn't um, in a lot of ways. So, I guess one of the ways to think about it is um, in terms of range and range anxiety and the reality of owning an EV. Again, I don't own one, but I follow a lot of kind of the, the better YouTube channels of folks who own them. And I read a lot in the space. And I believe that it's safe to say that the majority of EV charging still happens at home in people's garages, or if they live in a building and they're lucky enough to have uh, level two charging there, they charge at home most of the time. Because the reality is that most of us, what do we drive? Like 20, 30 miles a day, most of us. And that's well within the range of even kind of the lousiest uh, plug-in battery electric vehicle, even a lot of plug-in hybrids. You, you may not burn a drop of gas with that kind of daily mileage. Um, so it's sort of strange to think about in terms of comparability to gas stations, because if you drive a gasoline car, you still have to go to gas stations, even if you're only driving 20, 30 miles a day. Once in a while, you got to go to the gas station, whereas you may happily drive an EV almost forever without ever visiting a gas station, if that's your kind of daily mileage. Um, so the question for investors looking to get into this space, I think you have to very carefully uh, figure out what is it that you think you're interested in and be ready 
for a, an unpopular answer, which might be that there isn't a great pure play investment here possibly, but that's kind of getting ahead of itself. But if you think about it in terms of the amount of charging that goes on at home, um, I think most people who are thinking of investing in the space are more thinking about like, well, what about fast charging on the road? Surely that's going to, there's going to be a lot of demand there. Who's going to take a road trip and is there money to be made there? Right. I mean, it, is that kind of what you think it, people are getting at or um, are, are you, are you interested in a hardware maker? Like who makes those charging things that go on the wall in your garage? Right. The answer there is kind of interesting. It's everybody, you know? So what's the opportunity there? Those are all the kind of questions that as an investor, you need to, uh, I think you need to figure out what your question is before you can find your answer. Right. Absolutely. This idea that, you know, if most of us had the opportunity, you could just top off your gas tank every night that you went home. Maybe you wouldn't, be, wouldn't travel out uh, to the gas station once a week in this universe where you could, where you can charge at home. Uh, that, that certainly cuts out the, the frequency that you're going to need to, uh, to make that trip. You just don't have to leave your house um, to top off. So, so I think, I think that when you're looking about pure plays or, or where are people going to be regularly using charging stations, it's got to be places where you're going to run that 300 mile battery down to zero. Um, it, it's kind of, it seems to be the, the big opportunity or, you know, to the extent places are building out charging stations in, in where you're not in a single family home, whether it's a, whether it's in an apartment building um, or, or something to that effect. But, but Seth, maybe before we dive into some of these companies and their business models, you, you mentioned level two, fast charging, these types of terms. Uh, not every EV charger is the same. Yeah. Can I show some slides? And by the way, I don't, is that, is that cool with everybody? No one's going to answer except for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so for our folks watching live on Full Live, they can see the slides. We'll, we'll try to, we'll share a, uh, share a link to them in the podcast description for folks if we can, if we can do that. But, but, uh, but yeah. And I'll try to describe what I've got here. Uh, so I'm going to hit some share, share screen for those of us who are on the video here. And so I'm, I'm not putting this up here as Seth Jason, an expert in this. I, I'm a student like you are an investor of this, and I still have to go when I'm reading about this, I still have to go back to the literature to certain web pages and go, wait, what's the J1772 plug again? Which one is that? Because if you think about it, everybody's kind of familiar, and this is an advantage with Tesla. Tesla has kind of one plug-in for the most part, right? And it works in their home charger. It works on the road for the most part. And that is a key advantage. It was very smart of them to build that out. Now, obviously, the rest of the industry, just like the rest of the electronics industry, has to agree on some kind of standard so that not every single car has its own plug because that way is chaos and you'll never get the infrastructure you need uh, and things would get even more confusing than they are. And there's a few, there's not that many standards, but it's already confusing. So just to go through, uh, this is from the Juice blog. Uh, this is NL's uh, Juice Box uh, charger, which is a well-regarded home level two charger, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. And they're explaining how things work. So in North America, the most common standard and even some of the holdout automakers are moving to the standard now is what is referred to as a J1772 uh, charger. And that's on alternating current, the kind that comes out of the wall in your house. And um, there's a picture of it here that we'll hopefully have a slide for. And then if you don't have that in the US, then chances are Actually, if you have anything in the U.S., chances are you have the Tesla plug over there on the right in this picture. Uh, and 
that kind of makes things simplest for Tesla users. By the way, I guess if you buy a Tesla, you also got a converter, so you can use any of the J1772 charging stations that are out there. And this would be if you had just a wall plug-in unit that trickled juice into your battery overnight, like not very much, or if you had a slightly higher level one that's kind of hardwired into the same kind of higher amperage circuit that might power a dryer or something bigger. Um, Confusing things further is that these are different in the EU or in Japan or China. And over in the EU, Tesla is even moving away from its proprietary plug toward the European standard, which is probably good news in the end, but it makes things a little less simple than they were possibly for Tesla users originally. So that is kind of what things are like on the, the plug end for folks who aren't familiar. When we talk about level two charging, um, I'm going to just discount. Level one is if you sort of plug something into the same outlet that you might plug your vacuum cleaner into. Um, you have one of these probably in the trunk of your Tesla or your other car for use at a hotel. These things trickle like three to five miles worth of range into your car every hour. It is not something you want to use except in the most dire of circumstances. At home, you generally want, I guess, what's called the level two charger. These operate on a bigger circuit. Uh, 30 to 50 amps. They may be plugged into kind of a dryer looking outlet or they may be hardwired in depending on how you have it done in your garage. They run seven and a half to maybe 12 kilowatts and they can add between 10 and 50 miles of range per hour. Every manufacturer sort of gives you a different uh, number and it depends on the car. And these run between like 400 and 2000 bucks uh, maybe installed depending on where you are. Um, on the road, and I think this is the this is probably what a lot of people are thinking about when they're thinking in terms of investing in EV charging. They're thinking about the on-the-road charging, which generally requires direct current charging, which is called fast, level three, supercharging, whatever. And these are in the neighborhood of 50 to 350 kilowatts. Um, Tesla's run, I think it's 120 max, somewhere around 100 normally. The Porsche Taycan, I think, takes 350. It can juice up very quickly. Um, it's a really sweet looking car, by the way. Um, the only thing that saved me from having to get one of those for my wife, uh, I like to think, is the uh, long wait list. I, sh I made the mistake of showing her a Taycan. And she, the look <laughs> on her face, I went, oh my God, I never should have done that costs as much as a house. But these faster chargers can put about 80% of the range into a decent EV in like, you know, from 5% in like 20 to 60 minutes, sort of depending. Um, the problem with these and the chicken and egg sort of problem uh, that comes from that is that this might cost somewhere between 200, somewhere around like 200 to $300,000 each for the device as well as the infrastructure to run it and that is an awful lot of money and that cost and the fact that you may not recoup it very quickly is kind of the key to whether or not this entire system is going to build out quickly and it's the key to understanding the potential investment uh, return or perhaps disaster from any of the given charge companies so I'll quit blabbing about my slides uh, for now.
Yeah, so, so you mentioned for the for these DC fast chargers, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per charger today. I pulled some estimates. CNBC has cited uh, Alex Partners estimates that globally we'll need three hundred billion dollars to build out uh, global charging networks to accommodate EVs uh, by twenty thirty. If you're looking at just the U.S. alone, fifty billion dollars uh, for, for this build out. Part of that is you know we're not making these things at scale. We have to figure out how, how to how to make these things at at super high scale. But certainly lots lots of money needs to be spent to, to build out. This infrastructure, which brings us to the companies and, and you know where there may be opportunities and where there may not be. Yeah, and I think that those numbers, um, the folks who create those numbers, they're you know they're a lot smarter than I am. Um, but if you read just a few articles on this, and and some of the EV specialist sites out there and the green energy sites, they've got people who are really into this, and they they offer some pretty good uh, articles. And I was reading one uh, where the folks went to um, Electrify America, which is the um, the, the EV charging system being set up by Volkswagen as its penance for cheating everybody on diesel emissions, right? Um, so out of a bad thing is coming a good thing. Um, and they talked to uh, the folks who run it and they have, they've got, you know, the same chicken and egg problem. They could have sort of quickly put together a quote unquote supercharging system uh, using kind of the lowest common denominator equipment that would meet that standard, which would be like 50 kilowatts. But they didn't want to do that because if you do that, you have to rebuild it again very quickly because if these things become popular, uh, the larger, uh, the cars that can take more uh, charge more quickly are coming out. In a few years, 50s is, is going to be obsolete. So they went for 350. Well, in order to do this, there weren't there weren't equipment manufacturers who could produce these at scale. They had to source them from several different companies, and that creates problems with updates. It creates problems with maybe the card readers being different from time to time. And so, although they're doing some good work at Electrify America, if you look at the ratings for their app, which kind of runs their system on you know Google Play, they're abysmal because they've just not got the simplicity down with the app. And part of that is, is maybe their fault. And part of it is maybe just the state of the market. Like you said, there isn't scale on this on this equipment yet. Um, and so it's going to take a lot more investment. Um, and you're going to find similar challenges for every single charging player out there, only a couple of which right now are pure play and public. Absolutely, this challenge of getting to scale. So, so let's talk about some of those those pure play, public companies. Are, are there any names that, that stand out to you as you know? This is a company that of interest to me. You know, only one of them. There's a couple out there. I guess EVgo is coming. Uh, there's some others that are private. Only one of them seems interesting to me, and I think uh, you know ChargePoint folks have heard of. Uh, they came public recently uh, via SPAC. And I'm going to share screen in a second as soon as I get to the slide I want, because um, although it's kind of my favorite one, it is it's still kind of a hot mess in terms of financials. And by hot mess, I mean, you know, you're not going to see profits here soon, but also like it's just hard to figure out what those profits might be. So. I'm going to share screen again, and for folks who are listening to this, what I'm showing is kind of an ugly Excel sheet that's got some graphs, and it shows some of the numbers uh, that uh, you get when you look up the finances uh, on ChargePoint, which is CHPT, and you, you put them in a chart in Excel. And so you're talking about a company that's trading for a market cap of about $7 billion, but only about 
what is it there, 140 million in revenue, kind of flat over the year uh, from last year, which isn't a surprise uh, since people just weren't driving much of anything over the past year. Uh, the cash and debt numbers are a little bit different from what I've circled there because after the SPAC, they've got an influx of cash. So I think they have more like 550 million in cash these days. Um, but what you see there is, is not indicative at all of what you might expect uh, the company to look like even a couple of years from now, although the gross margin line, which is low 20%, may be, may be uh, a somewhat, uh, somewhat indicative of where they'll be. Um, they're obviously, they have to invest a lot in order to get things moving, and they're having the same problems with uh, scaling, you know, the, the, the fast charging. Now, ChargePoint, is, their business model is not quite probably what you might think of. It's not sort of like it's Casey's if you're into the gas station space uh, at all. They don't own a bunch of gas stations or anything. They they provide equipment, they sell some equipment, but they provide basically fleet services and management for others who own the equipment. And they kind of provide the operating system for the machines, the operating system for the apps on the phone and facilitate all of that to run the network. So it's more of a subscription uh, and, um, and and usage revenue model. And a lot of this will depend on exactly how the EV play unfolds. Um, if people need more large chargers on road trips, they have to convince people to put that equipment in and then manage that equipment. They actually have 70% market share in level two charging, they say, which is, you know, apartment buildings and other places where you can run, um, you know, those lower levels uh, of charging in uh, the kind of charge that would get you a full battery overnight, uh, should you park there or a decent amount of range during a work day in the parking garage at work. That That's kind of their sweet spot for right now. And they, I think, have a, they have 105,000 uh, charging uh, pylons or whatever you want to call them worldwide. So they're a pretty big player, uh, but you're still talking with all of that. You're still talking about only 140 million in revenue per year right now. Um, and I like them. Um, the financials I wonder about, I like the strategy well enough, but I like when I go to their website that they seem to be straight talkers. They debunk some of the charging myths and I don't feel like I'm being sold a line of BS when I listen to management, which is can be unusual in in any of the EV space, right? Yes, I, I would say you know you know to, to your point. So so one name in the in the EV charging space, I would just not recommend to people at all um, is Blink Charging BLNK. I spent Blink. ten minutes looking at their um, <laughs> at their uh, at their proxy statement, and uh, and as soon as I saw the management getting paid more than the company was bringing in in revenue, um, I said this isn't the company for me. So yeah, I think I think one thing at, at a very minimum in this space is looking for folks that are that have a real business model more than more than this. You know, EVs are going to be big. And we're kind of playing into that trend. I think I think you are seeing a lot of promotional folks out there. I do think what you what I like about ChargePoint is they already have a very strong network. Like you said, one of the one of the largest market shares um, out there, and they have a strategy that makes sense, right? One of the big problems you see from folks is like how how are EVs going to scale when folks can't charge them at their apartment? If you live in a multifamily place, you can't you physically can't own an EV just because of, of the inconvenience of owning uh, um, of not being able to charge. And so you can tell a reason why ChargePoint business model should, you know, has potential going into the future. And, and, you know, to your point that they're selling it to you uh, with a straight face. Yeah. And so the, if you were, if you and I owned an apartment building, 
we would under you know undertake with somebody to put that equipment in and charge point might operate it for us and this would be something we offered folks or if we had a parking garage we could do the same thing with tesla if we wanted but if you do that then you're basically telling everybody who lives there you have to buy a tesla if you want to own an ev and that may have been an okay thing to tell people five years ago but it's not anymore there's a lot of really nice evs coming out from a lot of really good car manufacturers i don't know if you saw the the uh q uh is it the q4 e-tron launch yesterday from audi great looking car with a heads-up display um pretty good range 320 miles or something like that about fifty thousand bucks right in the sweet spot looks like a really nice car um and, you know, it, the interior looks like a nice Audi. It's not just an iPad glued on a dashboard like you get in a Tesla. And so the way I look at it is you, I just can't see a future. Maybe it's because I'm not smart enough or I don't have the vision or I'm not jingoistic enough about Tesla. I can't see a future where one company's proprietary plug owns everything. I think this has to go to the standards that we're seeing now. And that kind of a future favors somebody like ChargePoint. And you sent me an article today that was very interesting. And it was that the electric utilities, a bunch of them were getting together and they were going to put a bunch of investment into putting charging stations all around the country. And I doubt this is just going to be fast charging, but this is actually pretty good news for EVs in general and possibly good news for a company like ChargePoint because it's unlikely, maybe, maybe they'll do it, but it's unlikely they're going to want to set up maybe their own charging system or their own their own company that does everything maybe they will but you know an easier way for them or for smaller companies who want to do this is to is to use somebody like ChargePoint to provide the service or say you and i own a gas station somewhere that does decent business it's got a decent convenience store we want to add charging we're going to go to somebody like ChargePoint to add that kind of capacity to our station and that is an advantage i think for ChargePoint. But you, as an investor right now, you are paying a lot of money because everybody else sort of assumes the same kind of advantage. Yeah. Well, so you, you mentioned kind of existing gas stations and some of this infrastructure. Where do you see them fitting in? Because when I think about it, you know, gas stations have already locked up some of the best real estate that people are driving by, right? And that are the easiest to get into and out of and all those sorts of things. Yeah. I th- Well, you already see, you know, some uh, you already see charging solutions like ChargePoint and some of these other smaller companies at you know restaurants on highway over uh, you know highway off ramps and other places because if you can put in if you've got a decent amount of juice that you can feed uh, to cars maybe not enough for level three fast charging but something else to help people it's a draw right it's a value add for potential customers and so I would be very surprised if we didn't see more of this showing up at places at gas stations i think the last time i took a big a big drive i think we came back from shenandoah we, with covid we haven't been driving a whole lot right now so uh last time we came back from shenandoah i think we might have stopped at a sheets for gas sheets is a, a a chain out here that has big gas stations and, you know they probably where they have 15 or 16 pumps probably out front a ton of them well at and on the far side of the parking lot, they had a Tesla, a Tesla supercharging center with I think six or eight slots in it. So Tesla's already following the same model. They obviously did a deal with Sheets to put those there, uh, right in their parking lot, and block off some of those parking spaces. So we're already seeing that happen, and it makes sense that that will happen. Um, and so that's why I think it's good as an investor to keep an eye out for the companies that are going to be, you know, kind of 
slotting into existing real estate like that. Um, and I think, again, ChargePoint is one of them. Electrify America will be doing similar things, but you know that's, that's not a company you can directly invest in. Um, we talked about hardware. In terms of hardware, uh, the companies making some of this equipment, you can invest in a lot of them. You know, it's it's companies like Siemens or Schneider Electric or NL. It's, you know, this isn't rocket science. And companies that make large, complicated electrical equipment, uh, internet connected, and there's a lot of companies that do that in the world, they're the ones who are going to be making this stuff. The margins on it are going to be low. And, you know, you're buying it as a piece of a conglomerate. It's, you know, it's not going to be much of a slice of Siemens or something. So there's ways to invest in this kind of, but, you know, it, it may be 2% of revenue or something at one of these companies. So you're not getting it very directly. Yeah. So, Seth, so it's, it sounds like uh, kind of the story we're telling here when it, when it comes to electric vehicle charging is that to the extent companies have an advantage here, it, it's not going to be in, in the technology because, you know, lots of companies can design, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, chargers that, that can meet the specifications you need, but it's in something like execution or providing a service to your customer where they don't have to worry about, uh, uh, you know, managing their system and, and any of those problems. It, it's a servicing advantage that, that companies will have in this space. I think so. And that's where simplicity is going to win. And that's where, um, you know, uh, Electrify America is got these horrible uh, ratings right now and and is failing, whereas ChargePoint, um, you know, their app and the feedback you get there is generally a little higher. I think Tesla is probably the best. The Tesla system, from everything I've seen and heard from people who own them, is, you know, when you're at home, you plug in. When you go somewhere else, you plug in. It reads your, you know, what car you are, connects it up to your account, and charges you if you need to be charged, and there's no fuss, no muss. Um, there's a guy uh, who's whose YouTube channel I watch frequently because he's a, a very smart dude. He's an engineer. He's a, he's a motorhead, but he drives electric cars now, does a lot of work on those on YouTube. And he was uh, he was talking about, he was driving the new, the new Volkswagen, I think it was the ID3, and how it didn't work so well with Electrify America, which is a sad irony given that Volkswagen is behind both of those systems. But he mentioned, you know, he had been driving the new Ford Mustang, what is it, Mach-E, and all he had to do there was plug it in and it worked, you know, very similarly to how he'd been charging a Tesla. So the simplicity that people expect in kind of the app world these days is a higher level. And the winner here may be the, the one that just causes the fewest headaches. Now, I think it's personally, I think it's hilarious because the, the complaints uh, you read on some of these systems are bad like it's you know it's like i had to like drive my i had to hold my my phone like 10 feet away from the charger because it was reading the gps wrong and it wouldn't charge my car because it thought i wasn't next to the charger there's weird stuff like that but sometimes it's just like i can't believe i had to swipe my credit card in order to pay for my electricity well i mean if you if you're swiping your credit card to buy gas all the time like most people if you had to swipe your credit card to buy an electric charge for your car, you probably wouldn't think that, that was such a huge deal. But I think the winner, the winners are going to be the ones who make it easiest, and this is where Tesla has an advantage. Uh, does it remain durable forever? Who knows? Uh, I, I think probably not. I, you know, I tend to think that there's a lot of smart people working on this, and they'll fix some of this. But yeah, you never know. 
Right, and I and I think that goes to the idea of, of this. This space is still very undeveloped. We haven't decided on what what type of plug we're going to use yet, um, and or 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 any of those um, standards. So it's still to be determined what what brands emerge from here. But uh, the things we're looking for is servicing um, companies that are are honest and not promotional, um, and, and that are kind of realistic about the opportunity uh, going out into the future. Uh, Seth, what kind of final advice would you give for folks who are interested in, in following this space and maybe investing in it? Uh, you know, as I looked through for investable ideas, you know, I, it was sad for me to say like ChargePoint, which looks super expensive and very risky, looked like my favorite one in the space. And, and that's not a unique opinion among analysts who follow this space. And they're all a lot smarter than I am. So let's take their word for it. <laughs> and maybe not lie that if you had to have the pure play, that's where you would go. Um, if I were, this is going to sound like I'm evading the question, but if I were super high on the EV charging future, I would actually, that would mean that in turn I'm high on the EV future and I'd rather put my money in a company like GM or Volkswagen, which I think are reasonably priced and doing some really great things with some really interesting new EVs. Um, and selling tons and tons of them all over, uh, all over the world already. Uh, and I think, once they get their economies of scale moving um, and once people start getting interested in having EVs, I think they actually have the most to gain after having kind of tried to keep EVs at arm's length for so long. I think they finally figured out, we you get this done right. This will be cheaper. We'll make more money, you know? So that that's probably where I would look if I were high on the charging part of it because I think the risk is lower, and I think the potential returns are higher in the automakers. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Seth. I, I think if I was super invest, interested in EV charging, investing in EV charging, I think I would wait. I would wait until I see one or two brands emerge that I think are are these are the these are the brands that are, that are going to be really significant going into the future, or I have some idea of, of what the future is going to look like. Because I, I still think you know the range of outcomes is far too broad for me relative to the price that you have to pay for a lot of these companies today. It's just you you have to predict a future that is much less certain uh, than, than the prices reflect. Yeah, and the the certainties of that future are that they're going to have to pay for the electricity. Go for go for the utilities that are banding together to create this network. Because guess what, they're going to get paid no matter what, right? So that may be the boring answer, but maybe it's the answer that we need to provide because there's a lot of ways to lose your butt right now on this uh, and other ways to get a piece of the bright future without without being too risky. Absolutely. Well, Seth, uh, you know, it's great to have you on Industry Focus. I think for the first time with me, let, let's have you on again uh, uh, sometime soon. All right. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For Seth Jason, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!